0: Welcome to A Second Chance at Life. I am your host, Arvella Beckworth. Adversity can oftentimes feel isolating, especially if you're the strong friend like me. I created this podcast to be your accountability partner and strategist, giving you the tools to build and enjoy the life of your dreams. Each week, you'll hear motivating stories, life-changing interviews, along with actionable tips and strategies that you can apply to do life over again. So whether this is your second, third, or even fourth chance, it's always a great time to start over and build better. Now, let's get to work. Have you ever dealt with a situation that caused you to be broken, but you couldn't see the beauty in it? The author of Shattered Glass, Broken or Beautiful, talks about her journey in brokenness and how she dealt with it. Many things in her life brought her through therapy, journaling, and most of all, self-reflection. So go ahead, sit back, and listen to today's episode. Hey ladies, welcome to A Second Chance At Life. I'm your host, Arvella Beckworth. And today we are talking about beauty in your brokenness. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Miss Tania Lewis. Uh, she's an educator for high school. She teaches English. She's an AKA. With some of my girls that are out there. Uh, founder of Kahana Candles. Podcast host of Candid Conversation. Also blogger of Candid Conversation.
1: Hi! Oh how are you today? I'm doing good. I did not know you know all that stuff about me. I was over like smiling, like, oh wow, how does she know this stuff?
0: <laughs> Girl, we gotta do our research on my guests.
1: I'm like, it was the AKA thing that threw me. I was like, how does she know that?
0: Attention to detail.
1: Man, you really, because I like barely post that I'm an AKA. So that that would you yeah, you did your yeah. research.
0: <laughs> well, I am so glad that you actually came onto my podcast. Uh we met before but i just heard your story and i'm like okay guess what i try to bring women on every week that um or every month that have something positive to say about going through a struggle because sometimes it is hard you go through something and you can kind of get down and out and you don't have anything positive or do you see anybody positive go through it so i challenge myself on my podcast to find women that have been through something but then they get a second chance at doing life over again so i know your story will be nothing but amazing so uh let's go ahead and get started
1: i'm excited Uh, and nervous but excited
0: (laughs) no need you are a pro at this no need um i know a little bit about you but would you mind just sharing some some more important things um to my excuse me to my ladies about you
1: yes of course so i am i don't want to say i was going to say my age but that's not necessary Mm -hmm. um I am a high school English teacher. I am also certified not only in English, but special education, which is extremely important when working in like a type of community that I work in, which is like the inner city, because oftentimes the kids that are supposed to get those services don't often get them, especially in um, the larger city-like districts, mm-hmm. because a lot of, and it's, it's bad to say, but the education system's so corrupt. So it's it's more about like fudging numbers than it is giving the kids their services. So I always appreciate that I uh, have that certification because even if they're not holding up the end of the bargain, I can supplement and do for my kids. That's it. And I also have the philosophy that just because it works for one kid doesn't mean it won't work for another. It mm-hmm. should work for all. So if just be- I'm going to give this special service to one kid, that doesn't mean I'm not going to give it to the kid that doesn't need it.
0: Right. I love That's- that. Thank you. I love that. And tell me what what was the reasoning behind your candid conversations, your podcast and your blog?
1: Wow. Okay. If you want me to be completely, completely honest, I started I started writing, I would say, when I was younger, but I did it I noticed I did it only when I was upset. Mm. I would find that like I would just write like random letters or just write. I didn't know at the time it was like a form of journaling Mm -hmm. where I would write like poems just, but I would only do it when I was upset. Hmm. And I never noticed that that's what was happening. And then senior year, I needed an extra class because my mom didn't believe in like taking fluff classes. Mm -hmm. So I took an extra math, extra English. Like I was never allowed to take cooking, sewing. I could do that stuff like in elementary school, middle school. But when it came to high school, she was like, absolutely not. You will take as many educational courses as you need to.
0: Wow, so So your mom was big on school.
1: 100%. Like, my mom, I don't know if you listened to the podcast. uh, I did a podcast episode with my cousin, and we shared similar experiences. She's actually my cousin through marriage, Mm -hmm. where when we came home, it was like, if you have a 98%, it was like, okay, well, what happened to the other two points? Like, I know you're capable, so if you can explain it to me, cool, but like, what happened here? Right, right. I know you studied, I know you're intelligent, account for this type of thing.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, it was very much so, like, you better bring home nothing less but A. hmm And it wasn't so much nothing less but A. It was because my parents knew I was capable. So it was don't bring home right. nothing less than your best. So if I came home with a B, they were like, uh, what's going on?
0: Now, with you talking about being a teacher, especially for uh, high school English, the book, I love the title of Shattered Glass, Broken Beauty. What was the meaning behind that book?
1: So I started writing this book, I want to say years ago, I actually went out on a date with this guy and it didn't work out. And I went to high school with him and he had like mm-hmm. this crush on me, but I just kept being like, there's something, it's just not clicking for me. Mm-hmm. And one of my ex's moms always told me if you're not attracted or if there's just something about that person, it doesn't click for you. That's a form of settling. And I was like, Oh I never thought about it like that, cause here is everybody else telling me, "Oh, he's such a great catch," blah blah blah. And she was the only one to be like, "Okay, but so are you." So, there will be someone else that comes along. Like, if there is something that is just gnawing at you, like keep it moving. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But he was grown enough for us to have that conversation where I was, supposed to, I was, I was just like, I it doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. And so at that dinner i 'm just I'm a very opinionated person and so he was like you don't you don't write like you don't freelance you don't do like opinion pieces and he had just written a poetry book and so he's the one that got me back into writing so that that extra English class I had to take that my mom was like take extra English class it was mm-hmm. actually creative writing oh okay and it was taught by my cheerleading coach and we are still very very close to this day like she gave me no shorts like I've like, I'm a big procrastinator. And so I would I would push myself to the last minute to be like, uh, I don't know, I'm not doing this. But her projects were actually very interesting. Like I wish I would have had a different mindset when I was taking her class. Yeah. But even still, after he and I had that conversation after that date, I came home and remembered that I did those projects for her. And I started flipping through some of my old writing and I was like, wow, like I'm low key talented. Like, I, okay. Like trying to give myself props, like my self-esteem also wasn't the greatest at that time. So I'm just like, okay, all right, I can do this. And then in the midst of that I'm started finding old notebooks from like middle school, high school, college, where I told you I used to scribble when I was upset. right? Uh-huh. So that day I, w- I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing. I started looking up freelance stuff. I never freelance, but I started telling friends, if you want me to ghost write something for you, I will. And so one of my friends reached out, who's a party promoter, but they never really understood. I was like, you have to tell me what you want to sound like. Otherwise, you're only going to hear my voice come through. So that's when I realized, I was like, maybe we can pause on the ghostwriting thing right now. Mm -hmm. But I never stopped. I just would write down random poems and I would just keep them. And then there was one point where I started a blog. I, I blogged for like a cool six months, paid for the whole site and everything and never published it. And then, uh, I would say a year and a half after that, I met Lillian. Mm -hmm. And she is just a powerhouse. You know this.
0: Yes, she is. Yes.
1: And I had all these dreams, but I realized I was the only one stopping me. Because when we went home for the pandemic, she released a book. Lillian is the type of person, she moves in silence. She does, She will have all these things going on and be like, boop. I did this. Oh, I'm also doing this just so that, you know, I just did this too. And I was like, well, man, if she could publish a book, what's stopping me? And then someone else I knew published a book as well. And I was like, okay, no, like this enough is enough. And so I made the goal at that point to publish hmm. a book. And I had a conversation with my grandmother, which she's actually, I interviewed both of my um, grandmothers in the book.
0: Oh, nice.
1: I forget what the, what the section is called, but it's literally just an interview. Their interviews are back to back. Uh Because as you can see, they're like somewhat similar, but also polar like opposites. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I interviewed my paternal grandmother. And in the interview, I was telling her Well, before I had to convince her to do it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to put it in a book. And when I said I was going to put it in a book and I was writing this book, and she was like, wow, my mama tried to write a book and everyone told her she couldn't. She was like, you're going to finish her journey. Wow. And so that's why um, publishing my book was so bittersweet because my grandmother was one of my biggest supporters and she was just like, okay, hurry up and finish it so I can write it. So I was, I mean, so I can read it. I can have my own physical copy. And I was so excited that when I finished it, I was like, I finished it, but I have to like, I wanted to make sure I got the ISBN and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. The day I published it, my grandmother had a stroke. Oh no. Yes. So. I never had the opportunity. She never had the opportunity to hold a physical copy. Like she never recovered from it. She was in the hospital that day. Cause I was wondering, like, why didn't mama text me back? Like, I'm so confused. She normally texts me back or she would have called me so excited. And something told me all day, something was not right. Cause I text her first thing in the morning and I'm big on signs and I pay attention to things. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, after work, we were still teaching virtually and, but I text Lillian. I was like, I published my book. She was like, oh, we're we're going out. We are going out. So mm-hmm. we went out to celebrate. But on my way there, there was just a fly that just stuck on my windshield. And I was like, hmm. I was like, why am I paying attention to this? This means something. I'm the type of person, I look stuff like that up. Uh-huh. And so I looked it up while I was waiting for Lillian to pull up, but I never got a chance to read it which I'm glad because it would have altered my whole mood and had me like thinking. Oh, okay, yeah. So I'm like celebrating with her. I'm like living my best life. And then I go home and I get a call from my parents together. And it's just like, they're trying to stay calm, but they're both frantic at the same time. And I'm like, okay, well, did anyone call anyone else in the family? Like, So I'm trying to keep them calm. And I'm just like, okay, well, let me know what's going on. They just pretty much let me know. And my dad was on the way to the house. No, my dad was already in the car headed to the hospital following the ambulance mm-hmm. and everything that had happened. And at that time, when I got off the phone with them, because I'm trying to stay calm, but I, I, I knew that it was the last time I look. I opened up that the fly thing that I looked up earlier. Mm-hmm. And pretty much it means if I'm trying, if I remember correctly, it means that death is coming. Mm. to someone close to you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and i was just like what like i I knew i knew in my gut so and because it was the pandemic they were at the time they were only allowing one person at the hospital all day so you couldn't even switch out it was just one person so we had to decide in that moment call it selfish call whatever you want i because my grandmother at um in maybe like the last 10 or 15 years she's been raising my aunt's kids who passed away she got full custody of them mm-hmm. and so granted it's like a mom to them but it's not their mom and that's when I had to step up and I had to put the battery in my father's back and say these little boys need to take a step back you are her son you right. go in that hospital mm-hmm. and so my dad is the one that spent the time with her and i'm glad he did because he had to make so many executive decisions about like they found like fluid on her brain and like so many things so he did like extra surgery and all this other stuff um and then the next day he allowed obviously my little cousins to come in Mm -hmm. they had to pick a day but my dad also has a brother who's in california who i had to deliver that news to and like my uncle is closer to my age so my grandmother is his world. They talked like almost every day. And he couldn't make it here in time to see her before she passed. Mm-hmm. But my my mother and my father worked it out so that everyone that was here, that was in her immediate family, we were given one day to spend, I think, however long we wanted to, but we only, we could only go in the room one at a time. Oh, okay. But we were given like from like early in the morning till at night where we could switch out. They took away the one person rule because they, they were pretty much like, she's not going to make it. Mm -hmm. So I took that opportunity to bring my book and I read it to her so that we could still share that moment. Cause I'm like, I know you hear me. I held her hand while I was reading it. And I was like, for me, she was still able to read it. You know, Mm -hmm. she was not the way she wanted to, but it was a moment that we were able to share. And it sufficed in the moment. it's still very, very bittersweet to me because yeah. I she she was she wanted this so badly for me almost more than I wanted it for myself. but I feel like she went out on her terms because yeah. she lasted for everyone to have their visit, except for my uncle, he couldn't make it in time coming from mm-hmm. California, but my my maternal grandmother went up there. And she said, the sun like shined down on, on my dad's mom mm-hmm. and kind of like, all right, I'm 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 ready now. She passed away my, while my other grandmother was there. Like, I know you can handle it. I can't leave with any of the other ones in the room. Right. And that to me, I was like, wow. Because at that moment, right before I got the call, there were rainbows all over my living room floor. And ever since then, I'm like, oh, rainbow is my grandmother. Uh-huh. Every time I see them, I think of her like when everyone was so nervous. I just um, traveled to Costa Rica by myself this past November. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so nervous. Why are you traveling by yourself? Blah blah, blah. Everything she would have been. She was such a worrier, right? Yeah. The moment I started to worry and let everybody else's thoughts creep into my head while I was on a plane about to land, rainbows all across the ocean.
0: Wow.
1: I was like, okay, I hear you. All right, I'm going to relax. You worrying <laughs> enough for the both of us.
0: Right, right. Oh, that is beautiful.
1: Yeah, so it's been like a long journey of me writing, but now that I had, I didn't intend for this book to turn out this way, but I liked that it's like Mm memoir-ish. Like I say in the, I guess the the back part that you write, Mm -hmm. that all of the stories are not necessarily about me, but maybe they are, they inspired me based on a conversation I had or just an interaction I had with someone. I split it into like four different sections. There's like the family section, like the love section, and the family section, and then the section just about self. Mm-hmm. And in the family section, there's like a few things in there about like dear daddy, or like like letters to my dad, or poems to my dad, or blog posts. But they're not all about me. There are so many people in my life that don't necessarily have the best relationships with their dad. And I was mm-hmm. like, and if you actually read it, they they read differently. They read in different voices.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Like one of the poems is uh, based on my little cousin's relationship with his father, uh-huh. and when his father uh, he didn't give birth to him when the, when his mom <laughs> gave Heart. birth to him, they were teenagers, so uh-huh. they were still growing up while they had a baby and just like, but he feels like okay, well I'm an adult now, so where are you, where are you at? Like where are you trying to be? Like so it's just like one of those poems is totally about him,
0: him. and yeah. how
1: he feels and like I'm I'm good without you. It's fine, like, versus I don't feel that same way. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with my father has gotten so much better. And I 1000% credit that to therapy. 1000%.
0: Big fan of therapy. Yes.
1: Yes. In therapy, I learned to accept people for who they are. Mm-hmm. And I learned that, yes, there is a deficit because there are oftentimes I can pinpoint in my life where. I've seen the daddy daughter relationship. I wish I would have had had, and I cry Mm -hmm. like I watched my little cousin with my dad, with her dad. They did. um, She was in like a cotillion and just just seeing their relationship together. I was just Mm -hmm. like it just I want that for my future children. But but also now that I'm engaged, I have to realize I can't control that. Mm -hmm. I'm not a daddy. All I can do is be a good mommy and have the relationships that I want. I can want as much as I, like, I can try to say, yes, go do this with your daughter. Go do this with your I can't. Mm -hmm. He has to foster their relationship with our kids the way that I'm going to. Right. right? But that took a lot of growth, a lot (laughs) of growth.
0: To get to that point.
1: Yeah. Because, like, I'm not, I I feel like I always wanted that daddy's girl relationship. And Mm -hmm. it's to, like... It would like get under my skin because people would come over and just make these assumptions, like, oh, you're such a daddy's girl. And like, it would like burn me up because I was like, well, actually, no, I really don't have a relationship with him. I'm, like, and if you, you would know that if you knew me. Right. But my brother has always had like the same issue, whereas people like view us as like the perfect family. Uh huh. And it's just like, no, that's just what you're seeing, it's what you're choosing to see. But my parents are really like all about uh, perceptions, right? So like, we Uh we all go to the game together. We all go to this together. We all, the Christmas card every year. And my brother went through a phase like, I don't wanna do your Christmas card. Like he did it, but he was like, this is not fun for me. Like we are not this. So why are you portraying it as that? And that was a lot for him. Right. I feel like my brother has had to deal with a lot because as I started to work on my relationship with my dad in college, my brother was still at home in high school and still had somewhat of a fractured relationship with my dad. And so he tried to take some of the same steps as I did as encouraged by my mom, but it didn't go the same way for him. Oh, OK. He didn't receive the same reaction. Mm-hmm. But I had to as gone through therapy and my brother's now a yogi, so he's like done a lot of growth on his own. Yeah. I had to start telling him, I'm like, listen, our parents are still people. And I'm like, both of them are stuck at the age where they experience trauma. I said, so a lot of times where mommy has this knee-jerk reaction or daddy has this like teenager mentality, it's because they experienced trauma at that age and they never worked through it fully. So they Mm. operate out of that age. But it's just what I experienced with him. Yeah, he was receptive to it because at that point he had started his own journey. Yeah. I think he would get more frustrated than I did because when I started my therapy journey, I wasn't living in their house. Oh, okay. Whereas my brother, he straight from college moved to Atlanta and then had to come back and live in their house. Oh. And so they I wouldn't say they're effective communicators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least not with each other. They do they do not communicate well with one another. So the dynamics at play were very toxic, I would say. Mm. and very like childish and little kiddish and everyone was always trying to blame the other person for why something happened or trying to avoid any interaction so it was either like avoidant behavior or very like uh antagonistic behavior okay and that's just not healthy so i was like listen if you don't like the situation move out like you can't complain about how they're running their house it's their household You, you like you gotta go right and i feel like since he's moved out his relationship with them has gotten so much better i'm like look they actually miss you for the most part we go over there like every weekend and spend time with my, my parents and my cousin will come over occasionally he's raised like mm-hmm. my brother so like some either saturday or sunday's just we all like we'll get together as a family and it's just like the interactions they're not perfect but they're right. so much better because everyone has their own
0: space now do you think when um through it all with your, your grandmother and then your father and then your brother. As we're talking about brokenness, out of those three scenarios or another, was there ever a point where something broken you down or really took you to one of your lowest points?
1: Man, I would say my romantic relationships impact me like that. So it's just like, I can't even, pin, I could pinpoint one, <laughs> but I would say for me, it's the, the cycle more so than anything. okay. And then the realization of the cycle. Mm-hmm. So that's actually why um, one of my candle lines I created because I feel like I'm on this cycle often. Oh. And I feel like I've, I didn't first start to recognize it, but the first like real, real heartbreak I experienced was um, my college sweetheart and I not working out Mm -hmm. because we were together all four years. I feel like we weathered long distance. We used to travel together. Our families got along. Why didn't we work out? And we broke up in the worst way. Like it was Uh bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like he had come over for, I think like New Year's or something. And like my whole family was there. And I just felt like he was doing stuff to piss me off. But I was like, you'd rather go hang with your friends than be around. I was mad. And we're having this all out argument in front of like my family. He's like standing by the door and I'm like in the kitchen. And at this point, I don't care because I feel so unheard in the relationship and so taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And so he was so mad at me. He just like left. And then I think he, I don't know if he called me or he texted me. He's like, I would have never done that to you. I would have never blown up our whole everything. And I was like, okay. Like, at that point, I just didn't care. And then it didn't help that my aunt was uh, behind me. And she was like, you sure I didn't raise you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I am more like her in that way, whereas my mom is more, uh, she wouldn't have done it. She just, like, soft-spoken. She'll let more stuff, like, roll off her back. But mm-hmm. I think that comes from having such a rah-rah-rah mom. Right. That, that my mom was like, I'm I'm not like that. I'm not going to be like that. It could also be a trauma response because of her mom was the way she was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that allowed me to be the freedom of who I am. My mom never tried to squish who I was. And I I've that. always had a mouth on me. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, learned to use several filters now. Because I will say that is a big trigger for me when people say like, you didn't mean to say that. Or or they, they criticize, they attack my character based on something I said. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say that I didn't think about what I said. I'm like, if you only knew. I'm like, I. it passes through several filters. So by the time it leaves my mouth, I said what I wanted to say and I said it the way I wanted to say it. Mm-hmm. Tone and everything. But that doesn't mean that I'm not introspective and I don't reflect on things, but it's also how people say it to me. Okay. So you can say like, I don't know. You we can have a conversation, but like I don't I don't keep yes men around me. You can like help me correct my behavior. But it's at the point you just start attacking me, like, oh, you're this selfish person or you're this and you're that and you don't think about anyone else. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> or are you just having this experience in this moment because you didn't like what I said to you? What you
0: said, right, right.
1: But yeah, I would say that relationship and we're like great friends now my uh ex and i college sweethearts oh okay wow it took it took time though like obviously right after that was like a horrible breakup um and then he tried to be like spiteful and stuff and like he i didn't know this well i knew because everybody and their mother felt like i needed to know he started dating like girls that looked just like me or had some of the same qualities as me Mm -hmm. and so his friends would be like or his friends' girlfriends and friends' wives would be like, mm, she not you. Or they, <laughs> or they felt like they couldn't invite us to the same places. Or right. I'm just like, whatever. Uh, and then I would say we didn't speak for like a good, maybe like six months. And then we tried it again because we worked through. Oh, well, before we didn't speak for six months, we had a discussion mm-hmm. about why we didn't work out. And he told me he felt like I became a yes man. And I told him I felt like I was being taken for granted. Which uh-huh. when you boil them down are the exact same right. thing when yeah. neither one of us are speaking up.
0: And like I guess that's going go up into my next question. Um, there's an author name, her name is Judy Derizon, and she said, You don't know you don't know what you're missing until you know something is min- missing. Sorry before it kind of relates to that, but
1: yeah. I agree with that one thousand percent. Because in in reality even if it goes back to my father like i would have never realized something was missing until Mm -hmm. i saw the alternatives presented in front of me okay then it's like well why don't i have that why wasn't my life like that it's the same thing with relationships right if i want to see him all the time but he's constantly busy that i'm missing that Mm -hmm. but that's a little different because i've also come from a household where everyone provides so, I re- that's also my love language, quality time. Not quantity, but quality. Quality, yeah. So, I don't need to see my significant other all the time, which is why the long-distance relationship worked for us. Mm-hmm. Because when we did see each other, it was quality time spent. I realize that sacrifices need to be made for certain lifestyles that I want to live and that I want to have, or my significant other may want to live and want to have. As mm-hmm. long as we're making time for one another, I'm good. Right, right. Like, I feel like I'm very low-maintenance in that way. <laughs> But that's probably also because I need my own space. I need me time. Mm-hmm. I need we time and I need friend time. Like right. all three of those are important to me. But I feel like in any healthy relationship, that's just essential. Yeah, Everyone yeah. needs all three yeah. of those.
0: I agree. hundred percent. I think we all need that. And also with your your healing and just hearing you in your journey. Have you ever felt like there was a time that you were too broken to forgive yourself? Because I know sometimes. Oh my god! I feel like self. every
1: time I enter that cycle. Uh huh. When I'm in that spiral phase or that like questioning,
0: mm. and, and my mom and
1: my I've made my mom aware of my spiral and she's seen it a few times. Like mm-hmm. when, because it was at that breakup when I started reacting in that way, like my world is ending because we mm-hmm. had like planned our life together, like okay, we're gonna get married, we're gonna do this, like. There was no other option. Like, this is what we're going to do. So when that ended, I was like, because I'm a planner. I'm like, oh, that threw off all my plans. Like, I wanted to be married by 28, start having, ba- or I wanted to be married by, like, 26, start having babies by, like, 28. And I was like, who am I going to find now? And just, like, that's when that whole, like, woe is me started, right? Mm-hmm. So now when I see it happening, uh, and it doesn't really happen in, like, job aspects or like I pretty much have a handle on every other aspect of my life except my romantic relationship when something goes wrong in that area I'm like oh my god what's gonna happen now he's gonna hate me like just all types of thoughts I'm not worthy like everything and I'm so hard on myself in general but when it comes to that I'm like it's like I beat myself up Mm. but then I went to I would say Almost a year ago, mm-hmm. I went to her name is Stephanie Moore. She is a Reiki master, and I forget what else she does. But I went to her for Reiki, mm-hmm. and I had always wanted. I was interested in Reiki, right? And again, Lillian was like, "Oh, why don't you try this girl?" Like, um, I I, I don't remember she had it. Yeah, she had a session already. She was okay, like, just hit her up, and I hit her up, and she had an opening. On the only day I had free, I was like, if this is not divine intervention. Uh-huh. So I went there and I actually uh, wrote a blog about this too. my my experience I had with her. I went there and I didn't realize, I guess, how broken I was, like mm-hmm. how yeah. down I w- like. I just was walking in with such a heaviness and she sensed it immediately. Mm hmm. And she just kept saying, is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I do that? She was like, do you want to sit here? And just like making it okay for me to feel comfortable. But when you walk into her space, it's like immediately just like positive, like energy radiating. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. Uh-huh. But what was what was the catalyst of like transformation for me in terms of self-esteem? She had me do this exercise called mirror work. I don't know if you've heard of it before.
0: Mm-hmm, I have. Man. But please explain to my audience. Yeah.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, she had me stand in front of a mirror and just look at myself. That was just the first step. And when I tell you, because she was like, Well, do you look at yourself in the mirror? I was like, No, not really. Like, I get dressed to make sure I look all right. But she was like, So you just never even look at yourself? So I had to look at myself and stare at myself in the eyes. I instantly started shaking. And she was like, You're okay. And then. She was like, we're eventually going to move you up, and you're going to be able to stand like like Superwoman. I appreciate that she said Superwoman, not Superman, because she was working with a female. And she was like, you're going to be standing like Superwoman, and you're going to be able to say, I love you. She was like, let's try that now. She was like, you don't have to do your Superwoman stance. She was like, but just tell yourself, I love you. When I tell you, I started hysterically crying. And I was I said it, but like it was through hysterics. I was like, man. I really am at a point where I don't love myself. Like, I've torn, I thought I did all this work, but I've mm-hmm. torn myself all the way back down subconsciously without even realizing. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror and say, I love you. Like, that was like the transformative, like, that was the catalyst for like my self esteem transformation, I would say. Even just after leaving the first session, I just felt lighter. Like, I'd just been holding all of that in. I'm the type of person who, internalizes and just deals with everything on myself so Mm -hmm. that is something I have been practicing also where I just want to just express I have to realize that I'm not a burden to the people that love me they want to help they want to hear me out This is the same way that I am there for them they want to be there for me but I have to allow it and I wasn't allowing it I was just like no I'm dealing with everything by myself and that was manifesting in depression right right like functional depression, whereas I'm in front of everybody else because I learned that lesson from my ex mm. when I was like visibly depressed and everyone's like, oh, you're not applying for jobs. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. But no one knew what I was going through because mm-hmm. I was lying about the situation. OK. Vers- so I guess like in my mind, subconsciously it was like, oh, we're never going to let people know that again. So it was like in public. Oh, I'm good. But at home, I'm like laying on the couch. I'm like watching movies, I'm sleeping all the time. Like I was a functional, depressive person. And I was like, yeah, this has got to stop. So then she was actually doing a retreat, uh, I would say maybe like a month after I did my first Reiki session with her. Uh And I was like, oh, I want to go. But then I realized it was a couples retreat and not couples in a sense of like romantic partners, just it just had to be two people. Mm -hmm. And I was instantly like, I had the thought, like, oh, I should bring my mom. I was like, I want to bring her. Because at that time in therapy, I started working through my issues with her and realizing I had a lot of learned behaviors that I didn't like from her. And so I I was working through a lot of resentment and things that I had not yet voiced to her because my throat chakra was still closed. I was still learning how to express myself. I texted my mom and she was like, of course I'll go. Like immediately. And I was just like. So, like, I was dreading it the whole time, but then on the way there, I had a conversation with her, and I was like, to be honest, I didn't want you to come. I was like, I didn't know what this would bring. I felt like you would be on your phone or just be distracted, or I didn't know, and and then I told her how I had started to resent her, Uh and I started having those conversations with her, and then it was just a one-day retreat at uh, Stephanie's house, and we did this inner child meditation. Mm Mm-hmm. It was so powerful. I can still, you just, it was, she just walks you through it. You picture yourself. She doesn't tell you what age. You just picture yourself as a child. And here I am thinking, I know exactly what age is going to appear, right? I'm thinking it's going to be seventh grade, Mm -hmm. middle school. That's when most people go through trauma, right? And I could pinpoint the trauma that I went through. The little girl that appeared was two. 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 And I knew exactly why when I saw her. That's the moment that kicked off all of my perfectionists. That's the moment that kicked off. You're a big girl. You have to help. Go help mommy. Go help daddy. Because my brother was born when I was two. I can no longer be a child. I was a child, but I'm the big sister. Now I have to be the example. Now I have to be this. Now I have to be that. Mm -hmm. And so in the meditation, it's like, give yourself a hug and apologize. You didn't know, but you know better now. Right. Tell them you'll never hurt them again. Like she was just saying all these things. And when I tell you, you wake up from the meditation, because like at the end of the meditation, she's just like, Okay, well walk together on a journey. Like hold your hand and then uh, let your inner child like walk ahead of you. And then when you turn when the inner child turns around, she's like, Well, what is the inner child doing? If like based on everything you had done, my inner child was smiling at me. And she was like, if your inner child is smiling, go ahead and welcome your inner child back into you and promise that she will never hurt her again or hurt him again, whoever, if it was a male or female. Uh-huh. And so I literally just imagined my inner child, like rushing to me and giving me like a huge hug and then just kind of like dissolving into me, like just like glitter or whatever. And then I felt immediately like whole. And I was just like, we got it from the meditation and other people are like talking. I'm like writing everything down right. in my yeah. journal. Cause I'm just like, what? Cause they also tell you, um, she said to, when you first imagine your inner child, don't walk up by yourself. She was Mm -hmm. like, imagine a person that's safe for you and you bring that person with you on this journey. My person was Lillian.
0: Oh, was it? Wild,
1: right? Because Lillian was also at the retreat with her daughters.
0: Oh, (laughs) she was?
1: Yes. And so you have no clue when you're doing the meditation, like who's going to appear when you think of a safe person. Right. But I immediately told her like when it was because we did the meditation right before lunch. So after lunch, I mean, when it was time for lunch, I was like, guess who my safe person was? And I told her she was like, no way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Lily and she's, she's really involved in that. She is so cool in that. And just her her being. I, I just love when I talk to her, you can feel that from her. Mm-hmm. So I can see why you would pick her.
1: Man. And it's wild how close we are because we haven't known each other for long. Right. And But I, I'm a firm believer in that. When people show up for you, they show up. It doesn't matter how long you've known a person that should dictate how close you are to them. Right. Because I would say out of all of my friends, I've known her the least amount of time and she's the closest thing to me. Mm-hmm. Like I literally call her when I feel like I'm about to start internalizing. I know she will always answer the phone and if she can't answer, she's texting me and she won't let me just say, no, it's okay. She's like, no, what's going on? Like, nope, say it. Like, yeah. she's that person that I can vent to without feeling like I'm burdening my mom.
0: Mm. Because yeah,
1: I my mom, I can could, I could tell her everything, but she's still my mom. She's still going to feel my my pain. She's still going to feel my hurt. She's not going to want me to hurt. She's a mom. Right. She hates to see her baby hurting. Of course,
0: yeah.
1: Whereas, like, of course, Lillene doesn't want to see me hurt, but it's different. Mm-hmm. This is my friend. Right. It's the same way, like, when she hurts, I hurt for her but it's not like her hurting for her babies. Right. It's, it's just, it's different.
0: It's different, yeah. And through it all, from what I'm hearing, just you've been through some stuff and you continue to still keep pushing through. I mean, no matter what may have came in your path, you're like me, you're, you're a thinker. You know, when things happen, you think about it, you internalize it, you try to spin it this way, you try to pull it apart, then put it back together. How do you heal? Because a lot of my women, some of their hangups are they've been through something, something's broke them and they never got quite repaired. When they put the glass back together, there's still those two or three pieces missing that never get fully healed. So I just want to know if you can give some type of advice, tip or something, or book that they can use that will help them kind of get through that that hard time.
1: 100% um I will say I was so against it me not realizing I had to do it when I was younger I was so against journaling and my other best friend Sheena before I even started therapy she just took me to Barnes and Noble she's like look at all these pretty notebooks and I like pretty things I like planners and she was just, just like we're gonna buy one she's like I'm gonna buy it for you and she was mm-hmm. like and we're just gonna sit and you're gonna write and I'm thinking I'm not gonna write anything we went back we went back to her house and her house again is just like a safe space full of like energy she had incense candles and she was like, okay, well, I'm going to go write in my journal. I'm going to leave you alone with yours. And so <laughs> <laughs> she just left me on, um, she has like this long chase. Mm-hmm. And I kind of sat on the floor and just like put the journal on the couch, on the chase part. And I just started writing. And I find that from that point, I still journal because oh, my yeah. journal is the only place where I'm 100% honest with myself. Yes. And you process things that you don't even realize you're thinking. Mm -hmm. But what I found is an effective method for me because I have so many thoughts going on in my head. and I'm such a thinker and I tend to not express everything. At the beginning of my journal, I will bullet point the things I want to hit so that if I don't get to them, because I'm a writer. So I I will talk about the same thing and exhaust every possibility, give myself every excuse and then go back and tell myself, girl, that was an excuse. I may not get to all those bullet points in that journal, but in that next entry, I'm going to go go back and say, oh, I didn't hit that. This is still bothering me. Let me try to discuss this. Mm-hmm. So I would say I was journaling for at least a year or two before I even started therapy. Okay. And then my journaling used to help with my therapy sessions because I would go to therapy once a week or like every other week, depending on when she had an opening and a lot of times you need that therapy session and if you don't have the session yet i would write it down and then she would say okay well what's been going on with you and instead of me being like uh uh uh," i was like oh let me go grab my journal so i can tell you and or a anything, lot of yeah. yeah and a lot of times i would just read her entries or like give her like pinpoints like man he did me dirty mm-hmm. and then just like just like little things You're just like i hate how this happened at work How could I handle this situation better? I'm tired of allowing people to have that much power over me that I'm upset. Mm. And I feel like because I've gone through those lessons, I'm able to teach my students better tools of how to work through their emotions and situations. Like I even institute that in my class. We journal every Friday.
0: Oh, okay. I love that. Thank you.
1: (laughs) And... Because I've had a student teacher, I kind of let her put together her own schedule, but my students have gotten so used to expressing themselves in that way that they're like, well, when are we going to journal again? And I was like, I don't know, because I'm not teaching. They're like, okay, can you just like overstep her so that we can journal? Because we haven't journaled in a few weeks and I really need it. I have a lot going on.
0: So they enjoy it. Yes. Mm. It's like
1: they fight you in the beginning because they don't realize what it's doing for them. Right. Right. And I, oftentimes I'll give them a prompt, and I'll say you don't have to answer this prompt. You write about whatever you want. So some of them will answer the prompt. Some of them will write about whatever it is that is going on with them. I find out so much about my students through this. Mm-hmm. And some of them use it as a creative outlet. I've written, I've read so many like stories and like novels. Like each week they'll just like continue another chapter. Like it's just it's just a creative outlet that I feel like they do not get also say what's helped me through this healing process is realizing who is for you right. and not necessarily who's against you but who's just not benefiting you at the moment who's right. not feeding your soul right now and my my cousin calls it her board of directors of her life Uh huh. Um, so I kind of institute that um, but I just call it like my inner circle but it, it's the same thing so right. for her she has like a put someone that holds a certain position in her life that's her board for uh-huh. me everyone I hold close to me I pretty much operate the same way with them because I'm so close okay. to them yeah so it's just like okay when Lillian's not available or if Sheena's not available like I still have that same safe space that I can tell either one of them oh okay if one of them's not available so for me it's not necessarily a board of directors more so it is just like my circle So just having the people that, you know, are for you genuinely and have your best interest without pushing their own agenda. And sometimes they may say things to you that feel like judgment. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's just, is it judgment or is it something you're not ready to hear? Mm, Wow. Because I feel like uh, with my with my best friend, Sheena, we call our relationship like rupture and repair. Uh huh where we may not always agree on something but we talk through it and even if like we, we don't speak for a few hours or a few days because she needs time to internalize and like think through it and she needs examples right whereas i'm very like listen this is bothering me we need to talk about this right now very blunt to the point point. and so a lot of times those clash and but we always come back it's never just like oh i'm not talking to you like we never even end a conversation like that right we have a difference of opinion. We cannot acknowledge a difference of opinion. We can see different perspectives. And I feel like you need people like that in your you life.
0: Do. Yes. Yes, you do.
1: Because everyone, I, I, like I said, I do not like keeping yes people around me, regardless of what people think,
0: mm-hmm. but it's
1: just because, and that, oh, that's the other thing. Stop caring about what people think. Yep. That was like the key to my healing mm-hmm. because I was so miserable. Living life the way everyone else felt I should be living it. And that also helped me distance myself from people. When I realized everyone was passing opinion on my life because I wasn't living it according to how they felt I should be living.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was just mm-hmm. like, how are you getting mad because I'm making a decision for my life the Not way anymore. I see it should be? Right. And that is a telltale sign of it's someone you should distance yourself from. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to do anything. Right. You just keep being you and the people will just fall away.
0: Well, I really appreciate you being so transparent in your story, because like I said, sometimes what you go through is so hard to explain or you go through something that you don't want to share. You might be ashamed. But for me, it's like there's beauty in your ashes. There's beauty in your brokenness It's beauty there. But sometimes it's so hard to see because you're so hard. You're hurt. Your mind is all over the place. And once you realize that once you get through that journey or get to the healing process, you look back at it, there is a lesson to pull from it. Whether you like it or not, there's something you can pull from that brokenness and turn it into a blessing Mm -hmm. and and just live it as a new norm, you know, and and use it for the, you know, just use it for what you use it for. But never despite your brokenness as something that is meant to keep you down There's really beauty in the brokenness. If you take it and go with it.
1: And you have to, I would say a lot of times that's what pulls me out of my cycle. Mm-hmm. You, I could always say, oh, I learned that lesson. But if I'm not applying that new knowledge, yes. I'm going to keep getting the same situation thrown at me because yep. I'm still handling it the same way. I can know the knowledge, but if I'm not using the knowledge, what good is it? Exactly. And so yeah. I try to look at, you asked me why I called my book uh, Shattered Glass, Broken or Beautiful. It's because what I think of broken glass I think of a mosaic,
0: oh, yeah,
1: and so, as you take all those little pieces and you put them back together, mhm and they create something beautiful
0: beautiful, it does, yeah,
1: yep, so that's where my mind went,
0: yeah, that that's a beautiful way to say that. I've never thought about that when i I'm thinking clear glass, but the way you put it, it is especially when the sun hits it, yes, it is beautiful, so great analogy, I love that. Well, I want to make sure that my audience knows where they can find you and your multiple that you have going. Would you please let them know how they can connect with you?
1: Yes. Okay. So if you want to find me on Instagram in terms of like things that I'm writing, my blog, if I'm I'm working on another book, you can find me at knowing Nia on Instagram. And I started a candle business, as you said. Yay! I'm excited. That's again, um, I don't know. February is just like a month for me. February is when I launched my book. February is when I lost my grandma. February is when I launched the candle business. I don't know what it is about February, February. but two yeah. is the number of alignment. So right. um, so for the candle business, it's called Kahana Candles. You can find it at www.kahanacandles.com. Just that simple. You can also, if you just go to the candle website, there is a little uh, tab there called Candid Corner where you ha- can access the blog and you can access the podcast.
0: Well, I will make sure that I have all those links available in the show notes. So if you didn't catch it now, they will definitely be in the show notes. So make sure you guys uh, keep an eye for it. And also, if you guys want to see this uh, podcast interview live just go on to youtube and you can actually see her beautiful face and listen to the whole conversation again and get reintroduced to what she's saying because i know sometimes the podcast episodes that i do they don't resonate at that time but then when you're going through something and you go back through it you can pick up bits and pieces of gold nuggets that somebody left for you so make sure you check it back out on youtube so tania thank you so much for thank you I I'm had glad I had time. something to
1: say like I said I was nervous I was like I don't know what I'm gonna say but <laughs> you just make it so easy to have a conversation
0: because it, it was it was from your heart so like I said when it's from your heart it just flows so thank you so much for coming on
1: well thank you and you're welcome but thank you
0: <laughs> well ladies if you enjoyed it please let me know in the comments and the show notes that way I can bring more guests like this to the podcast and until next week you guys have a great week bye